followed the story with Jeffrey Epstein and the um, exploitation of underage girls and the very powerful who are also were involved with him. We follow the story of Fannie Willis, who is the Fulton County District Attorney and who appointed the prosecutor to uh, investigate former President Donald Trump on election interference. And all of a sudden, we find that she was sleeping with the prosecutor that she appointed, paid him almost $700,000, which she also benefited from. You know, you would think that people in these positions have seen enough on TV and seen how much illicit affairs and uh, immoral behavior have destroyed careers. And you'd think at some point, when they're in these roles, they would not do anything to compromise the task at hand. And it seems like everything, the downfall today, the Me Too movement, is all about sex, it's all about power. How do you, as a pastor, put this in perspective for us when we look at what's happening at the highest levels of power? We, we, we often focus on young adults and others, but it seems to infect everybody. You know, Armstrong, those are very good and important questions. Uh, let me frame it by giving uh, a definition of religion as a set of beliefs concerning the cause, the nature, and the purpose of the universe. And it usually includes, uh, besides devotion to a higher power, ritual, and practice, it also includes a moral code governing the conduct of human affairs. It was Voltaire, one of the architects of the Enlightenment, who said that uh, that history doesn't repeat itself, humans do. And that is so true. Uh, our faith lens and my faith tradition, uh, whether we're looking at both uh, Catholic or Protestant, we believe that the original intent of God in creation, especially creation of the human person, was to be holy, to, uh, to flourish, to, to have a sense of purpose, but something happened. And the biblical account, though simple in its storyline, yet profound in an expression that humans are broken, wounded individuals, and that brokenness and that woundedness manifests itself in many, many different ways. And what we see happening in current events, whether it's yesterday, last week, a hundred years ago, or a thousand years ago, is an expression of that woundedness and that brokenness. The paradox is at the same time, we have good inside of us and that good drives us to think differently. But we live in a tension between moral striving and moral standards and the reality of our human brokenness. But you know, a good moral code is a set of rules that a person or a group can follow in order to live a life of peace and full of goodness. And yet we see uh, in this world today, uh, I just saw an article in the Wall Street Journal asking the question, why is it so many young people are developing cancer and dying from it? Why are so many people on fentanyl? Why are there so many fatherless homes? It seems like the world is turned topsy-turvy, upside down. 
what is right is not wrong and what is wrong is not right. And it seems as though it's our moral code, um, the fact that not only that we dumbed it down, but we seem to make people believe they can choose their own moral code as long as it doesn't offend the next person. How do we somewhat get that genie back in the body? How do we somewhat make people realize, young and old, that it has always been the moral code uh, and not the might of swords and weapons that has destroyed a nation, but when you begin to loosen the moral foundation of any place, including a home, it will soon fall. Armstrong, you could have presented what you just articulated, the question that you pose, if the year was 1912 in America. And guess what? The question would be the same and the answers would be the same. And that is that we are again broken and wounded and yet looking for meaning for purpose. And we have access to so much to take us away from moral striving and a moral code that's presented. Unfortunately, Today, we have access to tons of information and things that take us away from this that we've had in any time, at any time in human history. So with the availability of ideas that are antithetical to moral striving and to a moral standard and the invasion of those ideas in our society that look to rebel against divine order and in the name of freedom, allow us to govern ourselves, to come up with our own code of ethics and morality, you know, is created the kind of chaos that we see. The best thing, Armstrong, throughout history is to have people who do subscribe to a moral code, who do live by a set of boundaries and rules governing human behavior, to have those individuals shine their light in every aspect of human experience and at every level and platform available to them. Unfortunately, the negative voices are drowning us out. You know, I was um, talking to Aaron and Kevin on the way to the studio recently, and we were talking about our office environment, and uh, I quipped to them, you know, you realize how fortunate we are in an environment where there's never any drama, never conflict, everybody respects and uplift each other. And we all, Kevin's 24, Aaron's probably 38 or 40, we all came to the same conclusion simultaneously. And it was that we have a moral standard in this office. There are certain things that we will not accept. It is not a profane environment. It's an environment of trust. It's an environment of respect. And it always starts with the head. And so no matter how what your shortcomings are as a CEO of an owner, you leave those at your home or somewhere else. You don't bring them to the environment where you expect to have leadership and set an example. Because listen, whatever you are is gonna be infected. It infects everybody in your environment and everybody around you. And when I just talk, I'm not just talking about the entertainments and the political class. I mean, you have people of the cloth, people like T.D. Jacks, and the rumors that are out on him, whether they are true or not, where as a person of the cloth that you find yourself and where you allow yourself to be seen. And once people lose faith in the bishops and the pastors, they begin to say, well, God is flawed. Nobody believes in anything and I do anything I want to do. But for you as a pastor, there has never been a controversy. 
There's never been a question of your character and your leadership and you're an example. And pastor, I am to assume that's just not easy when it can affect and impact the best of us. You know, Armstrong, I, again, we are all flawed in some way. Yes. But we have to make a decision as to what's going to guide us. What will be the boundaries in which we're going to live? You know, people ask me, we have a large congregation, uh, we have several campuses, and we influence a lot of people locally, nationally, and globally. And people ask me, I've had other pastors come and ask me, so, so what's the secret to your success? What's the secret sauce uh, to your leadership? And there's a wonderful passage where Jesus says uh, in, in the Gospel of John, he said, I sanctify myself so that they may be sanctified in truth. And he was talking about his disciples. Essentially, Armstrong, what he was saying is, I work hard on myself. I become the model that I want others to aspire to. And that's the secret. And it is really no secret because whatever you want people to become as a leader, you must become it first. And the challenge is managing continuity and change around you while maintaining that central moral code and system. We all fall short. And unfortunately, God and our faith and our religion becomes judged by the public by the failure that some of these leaders find themselves getting into. It's unfortunate. Uh, they're human beings. I don't make excuses for them. But each person has to give an account as to their commitment to the moral standards that are presented to us, especially as leaders. Well, I see my brother Billy Carson, the CEO of Forbid Knowledge TV, best-selling author. His brother, I have a lot of respect for. I've been following your videos. Congratulations on your recent nuptials. So proud of you. You know, the pastor and I were just talking about faith and religion and how the, the moral code is so important and so much of what you do and you've, you've built a global following around the world, but so much of it is rooted into a biblical understanding, a moral understanding, an understanding of faith. And, and, and when people mention your name, they are stunned when they oftentimes turn on the tube and see you and I dialoguing. It's, oh my God, I never would th think that you and Billy Carson would have anything in common. I said, listen, if you reach out and your hand and say, hi, my name is Armstrong Williams, let's have a conversation, you'd be shocked how much we have in common. Billy, talk about how faith and the, 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 your biblical understanding impact what you do every day and what you share with people. Well, I'm glad you brought me on the show because a lot of people believe that I speak about spirituality a lot. That means I don't believe that there's a God when that's actually the opposite. First and foremost, I am trying I studied quantum physics at Khan University, and the quantum physics proves that we're living in a creation. It proves that we are living in something created by a higher source. And I believe that we're living in a creation that's created by God, and we have a divine energy that's imbued into each and every one of us through this creation. And so my daily life is predicated on prayer, but understanding the proper and correct way to pray understanding the power is already inside of us and how to access that power, and understanding that we ourselves need to hold ourselves to a high standard on a daily basis 
And the goal is to seek excellence in everything that we do. And so that's pretty much what I try to tell people and speak to people. I try to let them know that, hey, if you keep waiting and hoping and wishing, sometimes you won't get the answer. A lot of the times we have to dig deep inside and look inside, go to inner space for those answers. And then we'll be able to manifest what needs to be created on the outside because of the, the divine spark of the creator is in every atom in our bodies. You know, one thing I noticed about you on many of your journeys around the world, you are always in search of truth. Yeah, well, I love searching for because when you travel outside of your zip code, you get another perspective. A lot of people have never left their zip code or their country, and so you have a very close perspective on the reality of what's going on in the world and even your perception of your faith and your belief system. Once you begin to travel to other places and speak with indigenous wisdom keepers and elders and, and guides and sages and, and pyramid priests and temple priests all over the world, then you broaden your horizons and you get a much bigger picture. I think that you know if you just stay in one place, your picture is pretty closed off and you can't really expand the mind. And a mind once expanded can never go back. And that has a lot, Last month, last, I'm sorry, 2023, I spent nine months in hotels. That's how much traveling we did, and it's all documented online. That amount of travel and meeting with that many people and going to that many ancient places and getting that amount of knowledge is like 10 lifetimes of knowledge in my head right now, but it's really expanded my outlook on humanity. I'm really extremely optimistic on where we're going as a species on this planet, and I do believe we will regain a golden age in the future. You know, Pastor Bernard, uh, I know you mentor and you have a very strong youth service in, at Christian Culture Center. I mean, it's, I mean, in D.C. and in Baltimore City, there's, and all across this country, there's just a crisis with young people with the violence, the theft, the carjacking, the car theft. There's a crisis in education. It seems like no one seems to be able to find the magic button, button to return these people to believe that this is not, that there's something better than this. This is just not normal. Our young people are not learning and they think the only alternative they have, they have that sort of superficial life that they see on social media is to commit crime without any thought of the impact that it has on others. What, what do we do about our young in crisis and the fact that they're not being educated? Times what you're looking for has been right in front of you uh, all along. And I have to say that the answers to the problems that plague us have been right in front of us in the context of faith and religious tradition. Uh, I, I uh, appreciate your guest that you have uh, on with us. Uh, I've read a little bit about him and understand immediately that we don't share necessarily our definitions or views on ultimate reality, but we do share uh, a, a belief that in every religious belief, there is a moral code that, that governs human conduct and, and human affairs, that humanity's ultimate objective is human flourishing. But there are dominant trends, issues, narratives that are shaping the spiritual, moral, social, political, and economic landscape uh, of our day. And what we need to do is reclaim that narrative. Unfortunately, with social media, 24-hour news cycle, the voices that are competing for the minds of our young people uh, to take them away from moral standards and uh, belief and, and faith 
are are unfortunately outnumbering the the other voices of, of truth and 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 uh, who are founded in uh, belief and and faith. You know, it's something Armstrong. Uh, it was Victor Hugo, uh, a French writer and, and uh, novelist, who said, "You can resist an invasion of an army. You can inv- you can resist an invading army, but you cannot." resist the invasion of ideas. And that's what we're being invaded by over the last century, and especially in the 21st century. Ideas that turn into ideologies, a set of beliefs that begin to drive people. So there are all of these different ideas and ideologies that are pulling at the minds of our young people, and we have to get them back to, as your guest said, you know, to that inner life. Because we live life not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Billy, how much of an impact uh, is fatherlessness having on the society? The fact that men are not standing in the gap in leadership roles, uh, in corporate America, uh, in the ecumenical space, uh, in the business space. I, I mean, in the schools, I mean, where men and women get an opportunity to interact with them. I mean, we know they're being displaced in the home. What happens to a society when you begin to see the overwhelming uh, uh, homes in, in, in a society that does not have these father and strong male figures uh, that, are, that are available? Yeah, well, you, the result is what we start to see now in the world. We're seeing the decline of the divine masculine. And there has to be a balance. Divine masculine and feminine, they balance each other out, yin and yang, if you want to go into the ancient you know, knowledge. But when you look and see that there's a lot of fatherless homes and that masculine energy balance is not being brought into that, into that home, to that youth, to help them grow up with a certain level of balance, all of a sudden, you begin to see the result that we have panning out today. Uh, we're talking about people a generation and two generations and three generations of people growing up without the balance of masculine and feminine. And so you see that it creates a type of uh, disharmony in the mind, a, to- a type of unknowing. And also it, in the spirit, it creates this seeking and yearning to find that which was already missing. And unfortunately, that can be found in the streets among friends and and gang members and people into different things that they know they shouldn't be getting into only simply because they feel that the energy that they're getting from those people is what they've been missing. And even though what they're doing could be leading them down the wrong path, uh, they go anyway because they feel that there's an unconditional love coming from there in that frequency that they have been missing in their upbringing. So we've got to get the male figures back in the house. We have to celebrate, uh, you know, uh, the heterosexual lifestyle just like everyone else celebrates every other type of lifestyle. The reason why is because it's important. I mean, obviously, there wouldn't be 8 billion people on the planet right now if there weren't for heterosexuals. So that means that we should be looking to uh, find more ways to solidify the household, bring back the father in the household, and, and increase the knowledge of raising, bearing and raising children in a slightly different way. Some of the methods that that parents have used now are really antiquated. This is a whole new society, a whole new type of generation. And so adults, I would say, who are in the household, we need to begin to research for ourselves and go to self-help, child raising, uh, you know, uh, books, 
learning about this new generation in a way and learning different ways to impart wisdom on them, but not using the old techniques. The old techniques are not going to work on this new generation. Work now. Okay, Pastor, you were saying something? I'd like to compliment uh, what Billy Carson has, has just said, because obviously he's speaking from a, uh, a set of beliefs about what it means to be human and what it means to live in this world. He's speaking from a lens that affirms the ontological equality of men and women, but the distinction in roles. And the, the, the scripture teaches us in our faith tradition that the family is foundational to human society and that the man, the father, is foundational to the family. So when, as goes the man, so goes the society. So the restoration of that understanding and that worldview is critical for the future of our society because it is the man. There's a wonderful passage, if I may refer to it in Proverbs, that says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So who he is affects not only the children born to him, but the children that will be born to his children. And leaving a legacy, Armstrong, uh, is spiritual, it's, it's, it's intellectual, it is emotional, it's motivational, and then it's material. And whether we are intentional about leaving a legacy or not, we will leave a legacy. Either it will be filled with spirituality and, and uh, as the foundation for life, or it will be empty spiritually, which means everything else that's built upon it will be influenced by that emptiness. So I, I celebrate that model that has been consistent throughout history and in every culture around the world. We need to restore that. Thank you for listening to this week's episode.